This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Charles Woodson. And you're listening to the eye test for two. standing Hall of Fame, but today's guest is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eye Test for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And while we're both Hall of Fame voters, we're not actually in Canton, not yet anyway, but we will be later this week for the Hall's induction ceremonies. And we're joined today, as always, by our Hall of Fame producer, Mr. Ian Glendon, and by Hall of Fame president and CEO, David Baker, making a rare, rare second appearance on this program and doing it on a very, very busy week for him and the hall. David, thanks so much for joining us again in a week where you have a football game, gold jacket dinner, and not one, but two Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. Uh, great to be with you. Like we say, we're out for twice the fun in 21, and we're gonna be enshrining the centennial class, um, you know, which both you and I were, were a part of uh, as part of that blue ribbon committee. And, and then we're we're going to try in the class of 2021. So either one of these classes would certainly be one of the greatest classes in the history of the Hall of Fame. Combined, there are 28 men who will be enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it is a mega spectacular class. Well, David, I hope it's twice the fun here today with Ira and me. So first things first, before we get to What's going on this weekend? Can you give us an update on Troy Palomalo, um, class of 2020? I know he tested positive last week for COVID, and he's scheduled to be inducted with the Centennial class on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Any update on his availability for the weekend? Yeah, we're monitoring it on a day-in-day basis. And, of course, the most important thing is the health of Troy and uh, Theodora and uh, their two boys. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, listen, he's progressing well, and uh, we're monitoring it if – if he shows no symptoms, the first day on which he is allowed to travel uh, should be Friday, Monday. Uh, so we think he can make it here for Saturday enshrinement. And uh, that's what we're, we're working on. Uh, of course, it depends on how he progresses and how he's doing. Uh, but safety comes first. Right. Uh, but uh, I know he was brokenhearted when this comes out. He's got a lot of friends here to see him. And uh, we, wanna, we will make that happen one way or another but we want it to happen in person, uh, you know, but we wanted to make sure it's safe. David, let's just, let's just surmise that plan B has to be swung into effect. Let's just say he can't make it. What is plan B? 
Yeah, Clark, I don't want to kind of uh, get into speculation or anything like that. I mean, right now we're taking it on a day by day basis. You know, we've we've uh, let's just say that we've got a lot of alternatives, you know, everything from doing something like we're doing right now. Right. Um, but I don't think there's any substitute. You guys have been here a lot. There's no substitute for being a kid. There's no substitute for seeing the smiles of the people that helped you get here to get. And, and, and I've known, you know, I've known Troy for a long time because he's a USC guy and he actually helped recruit my son to USC. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've always loved the guy and we've loved the people that love Troy. <laughs> And uh, so we're taking it day by day. We're, we're praying every day as well. And uh, I, I feel very positive uh, that there's a good shot that if you work with the timing and everything else, we've talked to our public officials, health officials here, uh, that he may not make it to all of Canton, but I think he's going to make it for a good portion of this, the important portions of it. Oh, good. Here's hoping that happens. Dave, we haven't talked to you since January. Day. That was the point before of the class of 2021 was announced, Dave. And look, you've knocked on 60, 70, 80 doors, Mr. Baker, but uh, I'm going to ask you a Tampa-based question. You understand <laughs> that. Um, what the heck was it like going down to San Diego for Lynch? It was a secret. Only his wife knew about it, Dave, and and the reaction from Lynch and his family. Well, I, I'll tell you. I, I mean, I, I've had the privilege of knocking on the door of a number of guys who had to wait like Jerry Kramer, who waited 45 years for that knock on the door. And, and, and if you remember, I knocked on the door and Jerry said, you are the most beautiful thing I've seen in a long time. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, that's the only time in my life I've ever been called beautiful. Uh, but, but John Lynch is such a gentleman in such enormous class. And, and certainly with the Super Bowl, you know, uh, 55 being in Tampa, uh, this would be a great time for him. Um, so frankly, after that day, when we all met virtually and I opened up the envelope from Ernst Young, the first name I was looking for, to be quite honest with you, was John Lynch. Seven times before I had had to call him and tell him that I hoped I could call him next year with better news, but he wasn't going to be in the Hall of Fame this year. And I did not want to call him one more time. And, 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 and I, I want to tell you, you gave a great presentation for him every time. Uh, your fans down there in Tampa Bay need to know that it wasn't because of you. It just is sometimes how it falls. And most recently, we've had a, 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 a high number of first ballot Hall of Famers, which right. displace other guys. And um, and, and so I, I was fortunate to talk to to, to John's wife, Linda, and we, we she kept it a secret. And uh, they had everybody over for the conference championships, which, as you know, you know, a, a lot of guys in the league, they don't want to watch other people play after they've been eliminated because it's too painful. So he's wondering why they're having this huge family party to watch somebody others else's team play. And, and, and But he's loving his family. They're all there. And then I knocked on the door. Rancho Santa Fe has this huge door. And I have a huge knock to make sure they know it's me. And uh, And when he came to the door, he says, what? Oh man, what? And of course we have camera crews out there and everything else. And, you know, I, I think for him, he, uh, he, I, I think he thought someday this was going to happen, but he'd, he'd been told no a couple of times and therefore he didn't want to expect it too much. Um, but I remember him saying, you know, he, he tried to come to peace with the fact that it may or may not happen. He says, but you know, this is really great <laughs> and, uh, to have his family there and his you know, mom and dad and uh, everybody there. It was really, really cool. Dave, um, 
I want you to address uh, some fan bases, Dave, that are very passionate, which you love. Uh, the Bengals, they're all over Twitter uh, in terms of the senior candidates, Dave. And I want, you know, the Randy Gratishar people in Denver. And there's a lot of them in the Cliff Branches and, and with the Raiders. Dave, uh, talk to these people, uh, calm them down, uh, uh, take them off the tree limb, and uh, just uh, tell them that uh, their day's coming, but it, it's very, very difficult with those seniors. Well, first of all, what I would tell them is you guys who are selectors are 48 elite selectors uh, that are from the media and from the Hall of Fame. Uh, you guys take this enormously seriously. Uh, it, it is a privilege for me to sit in the room, and as you know, I don't have a vote, but I run the meeting. And you got to kind of be 400 pounds to run this meeting because guys are passionate in making their arguments and, and the debates. And we've got to get done at a certain time because we've generally got to announce it that night on honors many times. Right. And, and, but you guys do an incredible job. The study that people go into, Peter King once told me that he does probably 122 interviews a year just on people going into the Hall of Fame. It doesn't have anything to do with his media responsibilities. And so you guys really take this seriously. You take their, the fans' inputs. You take their criticism very seriously. Uh, it's important to you. And I think this is the best system of any of the Hall of Fames because of that, of how seriously you take it and how much time you give to it. Uh, secondly, I would tell you that it should be hard to get into the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Very, Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame. And... Uh, and while I would love to get everybody in and make everybody happy, uh, this concept of, you know, kind of defining greatness and articulating excellence uh, is a very critical process. And there are going to be some incredibly good players that don't make it into the Hall of Fame, but it should be that way. It should only be the most elite that stand for excellence. And lastly, I would tell you of the guys that you're talking about, you know, I mean, I think the Bengals have got two seniors that, you know, that could be in there. I think right. uh, Randy Gratishar has mentioned quite a bit and the uh, Cliff Branch, certainly. Yeah. Uh, they're guys who have come close. Uh, and, and what I would tell you is uh, we, we always love, especially me, uh, you know, ha having to work with my staff on this end of taking care of them and their families. We like it to happen when they're alive. Uh, we, we want them to enjoy it. But I can tell you that this seniors committee goes back and looks at everybody. I mean, we got guys like Duke Slater and Max Speedy and, uh, you know, a whole lot of guys that are going in now. And, and what I would tell you is that bust is supposed to last for 40,000 years and forever is a long time. <laughs> and, and I think, like you say, Ira, their time is coming. Uh, you guys do this, you know, and, and think through this in a very strategic manner, but sometimes you got to take care of somebody else in order to clear the path for those guys what we just did in the centennial class is because I was hearing from our selector that there was a backlog of seniors. Uh, you know, I thought the centennial was a wonderful time to recommend to our board of trustees. Hey, let's put 10 in this year and, and let's put in a couple more contributors and a couple more coaches. And so I think we took care of a lot of those guys uh, that could be taken care of, but the guys you mentioned, I hear a lot about Joe Klecko as well. Yeah. yeah. Bet fans. And, and I would tell you that all these guys have been finalists. And frankly, to me, just by virtue of being a finalist probably puts you in the top thousand of people who've ever played this game. So being a finalist is a huge honor, uh, but it is a hard process. We've got people who take it enormously seriously. And I think, like you say, their day will come. 
We're speaking with David Baker, president and CEO of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the busiest man in Canton this week on the iTest for Two podcast. And uh, David, since you mentioned uh, persons like Duke Slater, Max Speedy, there are, I think, nine persons who will be inducted this weekend who are no longer with us, who deceased. Can you explain to our listeners how they will be presented this weekend? Yeah, let me tell you, let me share with you, Clark. We actually enshrined them the last day of the draft. Uh, the Saturday of the draft. And it was a special ceremony here. Uh, it, it lacked some of the grandeur uh, that you have when you have mm -hmm. a parade that's the fifth biggest parade. But I'll tell you, it had an enormous intimacy. It, it had a solemnness to it. For the first time ever, we allowed the families to put the bronze bust into the gallery themselves. And they brought it, carried it in, brought it in, and placed it there to a whole lot of cheering fans. And, you know, uh, those nine posthumous entrities, Bill Nunn from this class and then eight from the uh, Centennial class, uh, it, it was a special, special moment. The commissioner came down to be a part of it. Uh, it was broadcast on the NFL Network and ESPN. Now, this weekend, we will acknowledge them, but we won't, won't take as much time. One of the ancillary benefits is we were able to take care of those guys at the last day of the draft so that now we've got 19, you know, which is still the biggest number ever. Uh, right. Prior to this time, the the most enshrinees ever was in the inaugural year of the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Hall of Fame enshrined 17 inaugural members. Uh, but uh, this will be 19 living Hall of Famers, 12 from the Centennial class, 7 uh, from the class of 2021. But we'll be announcing the names of those who are posthumous enshrinees as part of this class but they're actually already in the Hall of Fame gallery right now. Will there be video with that uh, announcement as well when you introduce those people like Max Speedy, Duke Slade? Will there be any video of those? Yeah, we will. And, and, and some of that will be, you know, it might be during the commercial break so that people here see it. Sure. Uh, maybe not the fans sure. at home. But, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, we've got a lot of guys. Just on Friday night, we're going to give out 19 gold jackets. And, and, and that is, uh, you know, a lot of gold jackets. And, and I want you to understand, it's not like driving through McDonald's, you know, where, okay, what's your order? Here's your gold jacket. Thank you very much. Uh, these guys will walk the gauntlet of all the other Hall of Famers. Right. And, uh, and I think right. it's a moment that I know a lot of guys like Steve Hutchinson, that's the best moment for them. But um, what's important for us isn't just how we enshrine these guys. And again, like, you guys have been here and be a part of it. There is the gold jacket ceremony and there's the uh the nitschke luncheon and there's the parade and then there's the enshrinement and a whole lot of other stuff with it but frankly how we protect their legacy forever i mean we're here at the pro football hall of fame we've got six million pictures 40 million doc documents and we regard ourselves as the guardians of the game and uh we take that history very seriously and the concept of telling, you know, and promoting and protecting their legacy, uh, that bronze bust is supposed to last 40,000 years, and we should protect their legacy at least that long, if not longer. And uh, I also hope, by the way, when you guys come, I hope you can go downtown about a mile from here, uh, where the league began. Yeah. Uh, we just erected a new uh, Centennial Plaza uh, that has the name of all 25,474 players who played in the first century of the NFL there. And it's, it's quite a dramatic place. And we have an archive, not just on our Hall of Famers, but every player that ever played in the game, even for a week. And so guys can come here and pull their archives and add to it so that, you know, um, 
a hundred years from now, their great, great, great grandchildren uh, can come and not only see what they did, but who they are. Dave, I know uh, this is going to shock you, but it's your eighth year, Dave, running this shindig. Uh, and I know you entered it, Dave, with some perceptions about the Hall of Fame, what it entails, how important it is. Dave, eight years later, what's, what's your biggest takeaway of, uh, of this institution? Uh, my belief, Ira, and you and I know, we've talked about this a lot. I think it's bigger than football. Uh, football is great entertainment. It is a great game. It is the only game, as Bill Curry says, where you, every player needs every teammate on every play to survive. Uh, but you also need that if you're you know, on the battlefield uh, or if you're fighting to save your marriage. Or There's so many wonderful lessons in this game, and it's not just about the, the, the worship of football heroes, and it's not just about, uh, uh, you know, the game of football is great entertainment, which it is. But I think there's so many lessons that have been uh, taught by coaches over the years uh, that can make uh, all of us here better dads, uh, you know, or, you know, in a lady's case, a mother or better companies, better communities and better country. And uh, I call it the church of football. It's pretty ecumenical. It doesn't matter whether you're a Baptist, a Buddhist, a Jew, an agnostic. Uh, there are wonderful lessons in this game. And, and, and again, you guys have done this your whole life as, as a journalist. But most of us as fans, we think these guys who are Hall of Famers, we think they fell out of bed great. And that they're here because they're bigger, faster, stronger, quicker. And, uh, and that helps. But every one of them we know had to fight to be great. They had to get up day after day. They had to persevere when they didn't think they could go on any longer. And they had to drag a whole lot of other people to greatness. You've got a, a quarterback that turns 44 today uh, who is the GOAT of all time. But he had to battle every day to make himself and others better. And I think there's a wonderful message in that that could help all of us have a hall of fame life, even if you don't play football. And I have loved this. This has been a lot of fun. Even at eight years, people still consider me the new guy. And with a knock on the door, when I drive through Burger King to get my food, when I get to the window, the girl goes, Hey, am I going to the hall of fame? <laughs> and uh, it, it's a lot of fun, but it's uh, it has a serious purpose in it that I've seen over and over again. The reason we call it the most inspiring place on earth is because I have seen a lot of lives be changed by it. Dave, I've been privileged to uh, come to Canton three or four times. I'm looking forward to this weekend. But, Dave, I think you'll back me up on this. For Commissioner Goodell, Dave, and I've been around him in Canton many times, I, I think this is his favorite time of the year, of the whole calendar. He's relaxed. He's uh, impassioned. He's enthusiastic. He's a great football fan, Dave. And this is a mecca for Roger Goodell, so – Dave, am I wrong in, in my observations? Yeah, I don't think there's anybody who's loved the game more, come to camp more. You know, on September 17th, when the anniversary of the 100th anniversary of the NFL hit, and we're all pretty much still in lockdown, uh, you know, he was here in Canton. He wanted to be here in Canton on the 100th anniversary of the league. And, and, and again, I, you know, listen, it'll be up to you guys, not me. And uh, he, he has been a friend for, a, for three decades now. Uh, but I think what he did this last year was incredible, uh, pretty much on his back and with the support of the unions and 
the networks and the coaches and the players and uh, everybody coming together. Uh, when other college leagues were canceling half their games, uh, the NFL, and they sometimes had to play on Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Friday night for the first time in their history. Uh, but they got through 256 games. They played all their playoff games and they finished the Super Bowl on time with a 43-year-old quarterback at the time. <laughs> and, and they did it safely. You know, no one got injured and no one got hurt from COVID. And frankly, the football was pretty good. It, it was a great season, but it was a heroic season that to me, again, it was bigger than football because we all love the entertainment. We needed it being locked in our homes. We needed something to cheer for. But frankly, it also was inspiration that if all these people, you know, black, whites, Hispanic, uh, Republicans, Democrats, all these people from different places could come together, you know, then maybe we can get our economy going again together. Maybe we can educate our kids. Maybe we can make advances in healthcare. And, and frankly, when his time comes, I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for that one season alone. That was incredible. And by the way, you got out of it, you got a 10, 10 year um collective bargaining agreement you got a five billion dollar stadium in la and a two plus billion dollar stadium in vegas uh you're gonna you know the game is growing internationally more than ever and, and you know i know he is a lightning rod for all kinds of controversy but i think that's why he loves coming here he draws a lot of inspiration from the shoulders that he stands upon but i think like i say that makes us all better but i, I think that's a great observation on your part ira uh, he's relaxed. He's here. Uh, I think he dr drives, again, a lot of his uh, energy, uh, a lot of his hope, a lot of his inspiration from here in Canton. We're speaking with David Baker of the Pro Football Hall of Fame on the I Test for Do. And David, as you mentioned, you were in lockdown last year, as was most of this country. Question for you. You've waited two years to get to where we're going to be this weekend. What was the most difficult part of the past two years and how ready is Canton for a history-making double induction? Well, listen, we're ready. We've got 5,000 uh, volunteers, most of whom who take one week of vacation to welcome all these people to town. And, uh, and, and you know, it, it's a lot of stuff. We will have seven national broadcasts here uh, that is 17 and a half hours of national programming. And, and so... Um, we're ready, but, you know, in, in terms of last year, the hardest part, uh, I, I would tell you is, uh, you know, every year I'd lose one or two hall of famers and it wasn't just COVID, but I think it was a kind of a variety of things. Uh, when we assemble for the first time as a hall of fame family this week, uh, there will be 12 guys who passed since we last passed. And to me, that's the, that's the hardest part. Uh, guys like Don Shula, guys like, you know, I mean, some of these guys are in their 80s and even 90s, uh, and you hate saying goodbye to them. Uh, but to have a guy like Kevin Green go early, yeah, um, you know, uh, it, 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 that's always the hardest part. And we, we tried to make it, we, we tried to help with their memorial, frankly, because that's what we should do. Uh, but we couldn't get to all of them because of travel restrictions and other things. So we're going to have a lot of widows with us, and our widows are very special ladies to us. And we're going to love them up and let them know that they're part of this family forever. But that was definitely the hardest part. But we're ready. We're ready for a full stadium for, for fans. I mean, you know, we, we have a program with the Ford Hall of Fans, 
that honors the most passionate fans in uh, in America. And the fans vote on it. And it's, you know, this year, it's the third year we have three fans that are going in. But I think that's what was missing last year. Like I said, I thought it was pretty good football last year. Yeah. But to not have the fans here, uh, that's hard. So to have the fans back, that's going to be special. Well, speaking of fans, you're going to have a lot of them, I suspect, on Thursday for the first preseason game of the year. My question for you is, as you know, I mean, we can't get away from the CDC's warnings and COVID. They always seem to be in the news. And now it's warnings about that COVID variant, the Delta variant. What are you telling people about uh, this game on Thursday? What protocols to follow? And uh, not just for this game, but for this weekend. What, what are fans who are coming to Canton being told? Yeah, fortunately, Clark, a whole lot of our events are outside. You know, the enshrinement's outside, the game's outside, but there are events like the State of the Hall or the Gold Jacket Dinner where we are inside with a lot of people. Uh, We we have worked closely with our county and state public health officials here, and we've got a lot of folks, you know, at the State of the Hall, we're going to have the former Surgeon General of the United States, Admiral uh, Jerome Adams, with us, and we want to thank him for all he did. He actually came by the hall in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, He was here on other business. He you know, was dressed as his, in his admiral uniform. And uh, he told me, he said, we're going to work hard so that you have an enshrinement this year. And we're going to thank him for that. Uh, but it's also one of those situations, uh, Clark, where, uh, you know, as a result of the new dairy variant and the uh, CDC uh, new guidelines, uh, for our indoor events, it's going to be uh, recommended for both vaccinated people and for uh, unvaccinated people that you wear masks. Now, we're not going to be the mask police. We're not going to go around and, you know, but it's kind of one of those things where we will announce it at the event. We've sent out a press release. We've sent letters to, you know, our Gold Jacket and Hall of Fame family that this is what we're going to do. Uh, and, and we'll have masks available if people choose to, to use them. But beyond that, we're going to have the same hand-washing stations and sanitary stations. And, you know, we're going to recommend people, you know, keep some distance when and as they can. Uh, but we're going to we're going to get through this and uh, we're going to adhere to the guidelines as well. Certainly got for, for the game, I, w- I also want to say that, you know, the NFL has certain things that only only vaccinated people can get on the field. And we're working through that with Fox and we'll follow that very carefully as well. OK, Dave, one more for me. Thanks so much for your time, Dave, on a busy week, buddy. Um, Dave, last question for me. Um, take five years out. Uh, how's Canton going to change? How's the hall going to change? Do you need extra room in the building? Um, what's the projected uh, What's the projected future for the hall? Yeah, I think it's pretty exciting because I think number one, you know, uh, as both of you know, when I, we came here, we had a vision for Hall of Fame Village, and we've now got you know a beautiful new, spectacular Tom Bitson Hall of Fame Stadium, which is a state of the art small venue, 20,000 seat stadium that is an NFL stadium in every other way other than capacity. Uh, we've got the, uh, you know, Hall of Fame youth fields here uh, where a lot of kids are coming to play from all over the United States. Uh, the, we now have a separate corporation with a, a, a separate staff and a separate president uh, that is a public health corporation that is Hall of Fame Village. And they're working now on phase two uh, when you come here, you'll see a brand beautiful, brand new scoreboard with a massive jumbotron. Uh, we'll have a jumbotron on the front of another building at the other end zone, which is the Center for Excellence that'll be here. And phase two is going to be a water park, another hotel right adjacent to the Hall of Fame. 
it, it will be uh, some retail and a performance center. Uh, so we're going to consider to continue to do things. Downtown, we ha now have 11 uh, where we will complete it uh, on Friday with the last of the 11 greatest moments of the NFL art uh, exhibitions that are downtown. Uh, we also have Centennial Plaza that I talked about earlier, which has all 25,474 names. But I think as we go forward, we'll continue to reach out. We'll reach out with more media. We will reach out with more digital and technology. I think we're going to be reaching out. Uh, we have a uh, what we call the Hall of Fame experience that we're putting in uh, down in uh, Myrtle Beach at Broadway at the beach. It'll be an 18,000 square foot uh, kind of exhibit so that people will want to come to the Hall, Hall of Fame Enchanted to see the rest of it. Uh, we're looking at a restaurant in Las Vegas. Uh, that would be the Hall of Fame uh, restaurant uh, experience. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that's out there. I think we're, our Hall of Famers are getting more engaged and doing good. We also, by the way, very importantly, have the Black College Football Hall of Fame here. So come September 3rd, uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, we will have Grambling and Tennessee State here uh, playing on NFL Network in uh, the Black College Football Hall of Fame Classic. So I think in, in terms of excellence, in terms of inclusion, in terms of patriotism, in 2023, we'll have the Warrior Games here. That is the uh, wounded uh, veterans. Uh, they had it in Tampa uh, two years ago, by the way, Ira. Uh, that compete at a Paralympics to go to the Invictus Games. And, and, and again, I think we'll probably do more like we, what we've done in the past of taking Hall of Famers to see uh, the Pope in a private audience at the Vatican or go to Israel. I mean, we really have so much that we could do, use this incredible platform that is the National Football League to go out and do great good. And, and I just see the Hall of Fame uh, continuing to grow, continuing to reach out, and continuing to do good. David, I've got a couple of last ones as well. One is a familiar question that I think we probably ask you every year. Length of speeches. And I know what the hall is encouraging inductees to do this year. Speak no longer than eight minutes. And Peyton Manning outlined it very carefully for us in his Zoom call. But as you know, the last time we had an induction was 2019. Tony Gonzalez spoke for nearly 40 minutes. Ed Reed, over 35. And they said they're gonna do an Academy Award type of uh, protocol here for uh, guys who are speaking too long to try to sort of get them off the stage. But anyone who's watched the Academy Award knows sometimes they just continue talking. Yeah. Um, what happens if that's the case here? What happens if I'm up there as an inductee and I said, it's eight minutes, yeah, I, you know what? I'm speaking for 15, um, yeah. Yeah. What, what happens? Well. First of all, we've had, uh, I think we've got 14 of the, excuse me, I take it back. We've got 17 of the 19 speeches that have been turned into us. And, and a couple of them have had to be shaved a little bit, but they're generally all in that area. Now it's difficult because, and we've told them that if there's applause or if there's laughter that's prolonged, we're, gonna, we're not going to take that out of their speech. So it might go 8.30, even 8.45 if somebody's you know, it got a lot of laughter, a lot of applause, or the audience involved. But at, at six minutes, the light will go on. At, at uh, seven minutes, it starts to spin. At eight minutes, the teleprompter goes up, off, and music starts coming up. Now, Clark, it will, we will be following their speech. So if we know that he's got two or three paragraphs left, we're not going right. to, you know, turn it on then. Uh, but frankly, if they continue, and in spite of the music and everything else, 
then it is the responsibility, the duty, the obligation of the six foot nine, 400 president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame <laughs> to run on stage and tackle them on national TV <laughs> so it'll create a YouTube moment for generations to come. And uh, that's the plan. You can put that downtown Kent as one of the 11 NFL greatest moments, right? <laughs> I mean, could be, could be. I'm looking, looking forward to that, actually. And, and lastly, if there's anything that keeps you awake at night now, what is it? I mean, we're on the eve of a big, big weekend for you in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If there's one thing that keeps you awake at night on the eve of this celebration, what is it? Well, again, these are uncertain times, but um, we want to set an example, just like I think the NFL did last year, of being able to adapt. And again, I think the game that we honor here at the Pro Football Team, the game that both of you honor as selectors, has enormous lessons in it. And one of those lessons is, hey, you got to make in-game adjustments. You know, what are those in-game adjustments uh, after the first series, uh, after the first quarter, at halftime? Uh, as you go into that fourth quarter, uh, what adjustments are you making because of things that you couldn't control or didn't anticipate? And certainly for me, it's, it's, it's a lot of those issues, but I think we've got wonderful people who've done wonderful things. Uh, you know, it's, it, we, safety is always number one. Again, uh, you know, you, you may recall that in 2016, we had to call the game because, yep. uh, you know, there was a field painting problem and that was a, painful decision on national TV, uh, uh, you know, sweating through a couple suits and it was painful financially for us. But frankly, it was an easy decision to make because our mission statement begins with to honor the heroes of the game. And if it's not safe, you know, we're not honoring them. And, and, and so in retrospect, that was kind of my worst day and my best day at the same time, uh, because I think some of the players really understood that we're for them first more than anything else. And, and uh, I, I, you know, there's always things to come up, uh, but we've got some very professional people, some great groups. Uh, you know, since I've been here in my, I, I would, this would be my eighth enshrinement and instead it'll be my seventh because of canceling last year. But in my previous six, remarkably, uh, and this is something I really don't share publicly too often, but remarkably, uh, we've only had three arrests in six years. Uh, uh, that's 125 events that we've put on during that time, and we've only had three arrests. And you know, back where I come from, if you go to a country concert, you're at least going to have 30 or 40 arrests. <laughs> and, and, and understand, we we sell a lot of beer too, but I think it's because people are coming here for a different reason. It's not just about their team, and it's not just about the competition. It's about honoring the game and honoring the men who play it and, and those who come like yourselves. So uh, and that would be the thing that me awake most at night because, uh, you know, there's serious stuff that goes on here, but uh, it is such a privilege to be here. And it's such a privilege to work with men like you. I mean, uh, we have a lot of fun. We enjoy each other. Uh, but I know how much you guys care about the game. I know how much you care about people who, who, uh, who, who have played it and, and it's an honor to really to serve with men like you you're special david baker president and ceo of the pro football hall of fame thanks so much for the time good luck this weekend and ira and i look forward to seeing you and hopefully troy palomalo this weekend clark ira great to be with you guys can't wait to see you this weekend okay thanks, thanks take dave. care thanks david thanks.
That was David Baker, the president and CEO of the Pro Football of Fame, as I mentioned. And Ira, you know, when you talk about the guardians of the game, I thought he was talking about the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> Clark, I know you're looking forward to this weekend as much as yeah. I am. It's, it's, it's a very different, special time. It just is. What do you think about the length of speeches? I, I like the idea of trying to limit it. They've done that before, but they really haven't enforced it. Do you think they can enforce it? I mean, they're going to have to, to keep that program moving. Well, I think one thing that's really going to help Clark is um, something that he mentioned in passing, which is they asked for these people's speeches and they have most of them. And that's going to be their guide and their blueprint. And if you're not even close to finishing, it's going to be a problem for the guy because here comes Baker and Clark, I've heard that he leads with his helmet. He leads with his helmet, so watch out. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'd look forward to more, that Thursday night game or somebody going 15 minutes and having David Baker come from <laughs> off stage. <laughs> Ira, any closing thoughts here? Well, just that, um, you know, I loved what he said about John Lynch. You know, he's not supposed to play favorites, Clark, but anybody, and I mean anybody, that's waited a long time, you know, the Art Monks, the Lynn Swans, uh, the John Lynch's, uh, maybe the Tony Baselli's, uh, mm -hmm. if it happens for him next year. Um, you know, that's kind of a, a little bit of a different dynamic when he makes that phone call, Clark, because, Clark, you understand, he, he's tired of making the call that says you were close, but you didn't make it. That's tough. Yeah, and you would know, our, I would think you'd be tired of making that phone call. <laughs> anyway, well, that's just. <laughs> Lynch's wife was looking at me, uh, you know, uh, cross-eyed for a couple of years over there. You're used to that after all this time, right? Not just by Lynch's wife, but some of the voters in that room. Anyway, that's going to do it. Ira will be in Canton this weekend. He will be in Canton, but you can find him on Twitter. Where, Ira? At iCalfman76, Clark. Yeah, Ian's not going to Canton. He's going to be staying in St. Petersburg, Florida. And if you don't find him on a golf course somewhere in the Tampa Bay area. You can find him on Twitter. Where, Ian? That would be uh, at IGLEN31. There you go. And I'm going to join Ira and Canton. Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter at, at Clark Judge. And if you don't find us there, all three of us, if you don't find us on Twitter, you can catch us right here next week at the eye test for two. Thanks so much for listening. Perfect. Outstanding. I figured I'd hit the, hit the outro there, too. It makes my job a little bit easier at the end of the day. So that, That's good. That's, and, that, and it makes it easier, too, for us to kind of follow up mm -hmm. on that. That's great. But nice job. And uh, Ira, good going. That, he, was, he was good. You know, he didn't pontificate. No, normally, you ask him a question. He can be not Carl Peterson-like, but.